Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Hello. I've noticed that the length of this podcast has been getting a little unwieldy of late. And today is the day where we rein it in, just rein it in a little bit. Trim the fat. People don't need a podcast that's over an hour long. Is is that how long it was getting? That is a little long. I think so. And it's my fault. It's not yours. I think Mug Chat has extended the podcast a little bit because obviously it's such an interesting topic. Mm. You could spend hours talking about it. But I also think I've been letting, as I've said previously, letting every thought that comes into my head out during these lockdown months and i'm not not 100 percent convinced it makes for the best podcasting <laughs> nobody's mentioned it you're fine yeah um so i was gonna start by telling you something i've been a bit paranoid about oh go on i was talking to a friend of mine somewhat recently and the name came up of somebody else in my line of work who does a similar type of job to what I sometimes do. Okay. And this person who is a a mutual friend, when this person's name came up, said, oh, yeah, I think, um, let me tell you something. I think they're jealous of you. Oh. I said, what? Why? I mean, this person is far more successful. And they went, oh, I I think they probably just think you're younger and better. And initially I was quite flattered and (laughs) carried on the rest of the phone call. Then a few hours later, it, it came back into my head as these things have a habit of doing. And I thought, in what context do you tell somebody that another person is jealous of them. What has that person said to you that makes you think, yeah, they're jealous? I don't believe for a second that the person in question has said, oh, that guy is just so great. That guy is just so great. And it's infuriating that he's younger than I am and so much better. Here's here's what I think happened. Somebody said something nasty about me. 
And then when somebody says, na- think, think of your parents. If somebody has said something nasty to you, mm. what, what, what do your parents say to make you feel better? Oh, they're just jealous of you. They're just jealous. Yes, oh, exactly no. that. Do you it's think that's unrealistic. Yes, I absolutely think that. You only ever tell somebody that somebody, you either somebody has said a nice thing about you and you relay that nice thing, or somebody has said something nasty, you realise you're on the verge of blurting it out and you go, oh, I think they're just jealous of you. <laughs> it must so be that. He's inadvertently told you this person has been slagging you off, basically. Yes, mm. yes. And then, then quickly had to dig themselves out of a hole. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, like, your paranoia sounds quite justified. <laughs> yeah. And when when people say, oh, they're just jealous of you. They're, they're not. not. When no, I was bullied for having ginger hair as a kid, the kids who were bullying me, who were, I don't know, blonde, brunette, they weren't bullying me because they were thinking, oh, I wish I had that ginger hair. If only I had that head of ginger hair so that people would bully me. <laughs> jealous of it yeah it doesn't quite make sense does it no when when those kids at school were bullying me for being bookish and into you know overly interested in say doctor who or for a brief period of the lord of the rings they weren't thinking i wish wish i was that interested in sci-fi and and fantasy but I just, I just can't, I just can't get into it. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what a geek! They bullied me because I was different to them, not because they were jealous of that mm, difference. Mm, mm. Did you ever point that out to your mum? Um, I didn't. No, I, good, I don't think I'd, I'd really give it, given it at the time the level of thought. I think I knew, but I just wasn't able to quite articulate it. Mm. I am slightly worried that having said that, now there's going to be somebody listening to this who has, for reasons of self-protection, told themselves that people being mean to them is because they're jealous and we might have just shattered that illusion. Well, sometimes it can be because of jealousy. So you just think to yourself, oh, I'm that exception. Yeah, yeah, you're the exception if that's you. (laughs) What else? On on a similar theme-ish, I was thinking about Sometimes you'll hear people say, as they get older, as they get middle-aged and older, they'll look at photographs of themselves in their 20s or teens or whatever it was, and they'll look at these photos and they'll wistfully say, God, the amount of time I used to spend feeling like I wasn't attractive or feeling like I wasn't good-looking and worrying about what members of the opposite sex were think about me and unrequited love and now I look at these photographs and look I just look like a great young person and what a waste of my life worrying about those things mm. that's, that's that's something you that's that's something that rings true as people yeah, yeah. sometimes say as they get older I happened across some pictures of myself in my 20s the other day and I just look horrible like awful horrible <laughs> and yeah I'm somebody who, who's like really uncomfortable in my own skin and I don't like what I look like and I didn't when I was younger and when I look at those photographs I think well I was right (laughs) I was was right and here's photographic proof (laughs) so whatever my insecurities are now presumably I'll be looking at photos of me in my 40s when I'm in my 70s or 80s and think yeah still still didn't look great there's more you could have done not that it matters 
No, of course not. Is this too bleak a start to the show? Um, in some respects, yes. <laughs> in, other, <laughs> um, in others, who cares? Who cares? Can I tell you one other thing that I think is funny, but it might sound bleak. But okay. I promise you that when when it, this was said to me, I, I just found it funny. I didn't find it bleak at all. Well, if it is bleak, we can just have a hat trick of bleakness. That's fine. Yeah. But I, I don't think this is. Okay. So my parents are simultaneously proud of what I've accomplished in my career and somewhat uninterested in it. Okay. So I've known other people and, and usually more successful people than I am whose parents are obsessive about keeping newspaper cuttings or tuning in every time they're on the TV or radio or whatever. And... I was on radio every day for years. My parents would rarely listen to it. And it wasn't even that they were doing other things. Sometimes they'd just be in the car listening to a different channel because right. it wasn't to their taste. Right. And I think they were simultaneously proud of you know, what, whatever I managed to achieve in my career. But it, it wasn't for them. Right. Fair enough. I think that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Now, more recently... As I've been doing speech radio on the BBC a bit more, my mum, who, and part of this is because it's lockdown and part of it is she's less, uh, even without lockdown, she's less able to get out and about than she once was, does listen to me on the radio a bit more. And if I crop up on Five Live, not at some ungodly hour, not if it's 10 o'clock at night, but if it's one in the afternoon or something, she'll listen to it and then she'll ring me afterwards and and say some stuff, which is both surprising and nice. Mm. But it's probably more to her taste to hear a current affairs show um, than than it is to listen to me play some Coldplay and Stereophonics records, for example. Yeah. Which is understandable. Fast forward to this weekend when I launched my new radio show, which is happening for the next, it was 12 weeks, so the next 11 weeks, which is a Beatles show. And I didn't even bother telling my mum that I was going to be doing it because I thought she's not going to enjoy it. Neither her or my dad are particularly fussed about the Beatles. They were rock and rollers and they never really, I think they were very ambivalent at best about them. So I'm, I'm not going to phone my mum and say, hey, tune into Union Jack Radio on Sunday morning to hear some great stories and music from the Beatles. I thought it's not, it's not her cup of tea. So I was very surprised that just after the show finished, just after midday, that my phone rings and it's my mum. I think, I wonder why my mum's ringing me. My first thought is always, well, my dad's dead. <laughs> um, it's that time of life, isn't it? Mm. If your parents ring you at a time of day where you're not expecting it or it's yeah. it's unusual, or isn't that your first your first thought? If well, my first thought is somebody has died, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um and I answer the phone and she says, Jeffrey, I listened to you all morning. Oh. And I said, Mum, I I had no idea you even knew about that show. She said, Oh yes. And I bet you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> right. That was it. There was right. no comment on the program. Oh, there was no comment to you. on anything I'd said. It was I listened to you, yeah. statement of fact. Yeah. And then I bet you enjoyed yourself. You've done nothing about her enjoying herself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It was very conspicuous by its absence. And the reason it's not bleak is I think from many, many types of people that would be a passive aggressive comment. I don't think it was from my mum. 
No, cool. Your mum would never do it in a passive aggressive way. Imagine no, your I know. Suddenly I know. decided to go passive aggressive on you. I know, but a lot of people would hear that and they would think that's exactly the kind of thing their their passive aggressive mum no, might say. But no. I don't think my mum would say that passive aggressively. But then I didn't <laughs> want to go. I did. Yeah. What about you? What was your favourite part? I don't know if this is a bit sort of inside baseball, as they say, by which I mean, you know, talking about an aspect of my life that's professional in a way that not many people can relate to because it's not a job that many people do. But I find it so strange when friends of mine say to me, why didn't you let me know you were on the radio on Saturday or or whatever it was? Like, I'm going to call up my friends and say, (laughs) just to let you know, if you tune into the radio, uh, BBC Radio 5 Live, Saturday morning, you're going to hear a great blend of chat uh, and news and interviews from me. I'm not, I'm not, not which I'm not doing that show on Saturday morning, by the way, but it, it seems weird to me that people would think, what am I going to do? Send a round robin text. And if you did, they think you're an idiot. Look at him. Yeah, you, you would be an job. awful, only yeah. an awful person would do that. Mm. Sorry, I think that is a bit sort of uh, inside, inside baseball. But anyway, I had a little, little peek mm. into what nice it's like being it. me. Yeah, nice. As you can see, most of it was bleak, but um, (laughs) I don't think that last bit particularly was. No. Right, enough about me. Stories from Drifters. Annabelle, who is the first one from? Sarah. My friend is a nutritionist who attends lots of conferences and there is often some icebreaker type of activity. At this particular conference, they were required to wear a name sticker. The icebreaker being that they had to write their favourite food on the sticker. I know, awkward. My friend was chatting to someone and another lady who she was on nodding terms with came over to join the conversation. My friend felt she had to introduce her to the other person she was chatting with, but being unable to remember her name, took a quick glance at her name badge and introduced her as, this is Raman. Apparently, Raman must be a drifter too, as nothing was said to address the fact that she'd just been introduced as her favourite food. (laughs) Oh, it could have gone a lot worse. You could have done, you could have done. I mean, low-hanging fruit, but it could have been spotted dick. (laughs) Sorry, I'm embarrassed that I even said that. Uh, At least you said low-hanging fruit beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and this is from Duke of Hazard, Gareth. I lived in the USA for 18 years. I went to college and then sort of stuck around legally for nearly all of the time. My now wife, Nicola, who I had re-met through Friends Reunited, had, at the time of this event, joined me in our flat in New Jersey. We were in our 30s now, and although I was technically still on a valid visa, she was just a tourist, and so she worked where she could, cash in hand. Living as we did, overlooking the Hudson River, New York City was just a few minutes drive away at certain times of day. Nick had taken a job working at a prestigious VIP members club and hotel. By this time, I was working as a painter for a friend since I'd lost all my money as our dot-com startup had failed. We didn't have any kids or anything and I've always been very immature, so even though we were 30, it didn't seem too big a deal. Anyway, I didn't get to see much of Nick as I'd work regular hours, but waitressing work was always from about 5 or 6 p.m. to 3 or 4 a.m. 
I didn't want her to blow a lot of money on a cab back to the flat, which was a dodgy idea anyway, and not always easy getting taxi drivers that would happily cross over the river to New Jersey, even though it was only 10 minutes or so from Soho. So I would always drive over and collect her. New York City is always buzzing and this place down in the meatpacking district, even at three or four in the morning, was still pretty buzzing. The time where I got my super awkward moment came when I went to pick her up. I had, as usual, driven around the block a few times very slowly, eventually rolling to a stop at the junction just past the club. I always tried to time it so Nick could just walk straight over and jump in, a spot where I could see the front of the club and not be in the way of anyone or next to a fire hydrant or anything. Back then, the area was a lot shadier than it is now and still had a bit of an edge. And of course, it was really early in the morning. As I had been driving at about a mile an hour towards the junction, concentrating on the club, I hadn't noticed that a couple of wildly dressed nightclub looking women were at the corner waiting, I thought, to cross the street. One was a very tall woman in fake fur, massive heel boots and a miniskirt. The other was similarly dressed in equally high heels. They were staring at me and I wasn't sure... I was sure they couldn't work out if I was staying or going. Being a drifter, I was instantly embarrassed at my rudeness. So I went through a bit of a melodramatic pantomime, mouthing and I'm so sorry and motioning what I thought was clearly a go ahead across the street. The club was a bit behind me. So I was looking over my left shoulder, having stopped on the right hand side of the street opposite. As I put on the handbrake, I was surprised to hear the passenger door open. I snapped my head up and was even more surprised to see the taller high-heeled woman climbing into the passenger seat. As she settled in and looked at me, I noticed that she had on a lot of makeup and a huge red wig, was very striking and smelled like a meadow. This all took a few seconds, but it felt like I was staring at her for about a minute without saying anything. It dawned on me then that by driving slowly around the block as I had, looking for a place to stop where I could see my girlfriend and she could easily see me constantly stopping and pulling away nervously, could have been confused with what is called curb crawling. So when I gestured to the couple of women at the corner, the mutter thought I finally had the courage to ask for a date since she was obviously a sex worker. Convinced the misunderstanding was my fault, I began to panic and started apologising madly. In a breathy voice, my date encouragingly said to relax and began to ask me if I wanted to party. I didn't really know what that was supposed to mean and I could feel myself blushing. As I'm basically a drifter, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So a bit like when you go into a place to use the toilet and feel like you have to buy something on the way out. I thought my stupid (laughs) slow driving and misunderstood hand gestures had basically misled her. And contemplated maybe giving her, say, a 20 for her trouble and my stupidity. As I'm apologising and reaching for my wallet, my girlfriend appears at the front of the car. (laughs) By now, I'm afraid of Nicola as well. With her looking at me, flustered and leaning across to open the door for the giant sex worker slinking out of the car, I apologise and over-explain the whole way home. But Nick wasn't even slightly bothered because, as she says, I'm simply not interesting enough to be the kind of person that would drop off a sex worker (laughs) as I'm picking up his girlfriend and that I'd be too scared to talk to anyone like that anyway. And she is, of course, right. Uh, I I really, in my head, as that story was playing out, as Nick approached the car, I heard in my head, bom, 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 (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) Uh, Please uh, send us your story of social ineptitude. Uh, It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. 
Annabelle. Yes. Do you have for us another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? I do. There was an incident this past week that was extremely difficult and testing for me. I'd gone out with my three-year-old son. He was in the buggy and I know he's a bit old for a buggy, but we were going to a park that he likes that's about a 25-minute walk away. And I quite like it when he goes in the buggy as when he's on his bike or scooter, he goes really fast and I have to run alongside him. And I feel really self-conscious because I don't know what to do with my arms. Because I'm running, like I'm running probably as fast as a jogger, but I'm not in running gear. And I've always got some kind of rucksack full of snacks and drinks. So I feel like I can't pump my arms like an actual runner, but I can't have them down by my sides because that looks weird. I feel like I look like, you know, when you see someone in a suit running fast, I think that's, that's what I look like. And it looks wrong. I look wrong. Anyway, so I'm quite glad he's in the buggy. You look like you're running to catch a bus. Yes, yes. But but for a long way next to a child on a scooter, I feel ridiculous. He's in good spirits. And then he starts doing something very unusual, like extremely unusual. He starts singing, which usually for me would be fantastic. Like because it's so unusual and also because he was very much a late talker and he's never had any interest at all in music and songs. If I ever sang to him when he was little, he would always push his hand over my mouth to make me stop. (laughs) Up until recently, he'd never sung a song and he'd never danced like ever to any kind of music. So in normal circumstances, I'd be thrilled that he was singing a song. Apart from the fact, and Jeff, you'll know how difficult this was for me. The song he was singing was a Christmas song, Jingle oh, Bells, no. oh, in no. March. I know. It, it, this This is like this unli- unlikely detail about you, but you are highly superstitious about a couple of things. Yes, yes. And that's one of them. Christmas songs, not at Christmas. I'm extremely superstitious about Christmas songs, Christmas carols outside of Christmas, almost entirely based on how I was once singing Good King Wenceslas while playing a tambourine <laughs> in the summer, and my hand went right through the tambourine skin. My mum was not happy about that because she bought it for me as I needed it as a prop for doing the tarantella dance and ballet. The one where you have to reenact being bitten by a tarantella, but in ballet form. A bit weird. Anyway. Can, I, can pr- I just ask you, mm. um, sorry, that, that name of that spider again? What did I say? No, what, what did you say? I missed it. Tarantula. Am I saying it wrong? You were saying Tarantella. No, that's the name of the dance. Oh, then then I've shown my ignorance. I might have said Tarantella twice by mistake. So the okay, dance okay, is okay. called the Tarantella and you have uh-huh, to reenact uh-huh. being bitten by a Tarantula. I probably said it wrong the first no, time. No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. No, it was me. Yeah. I thought it was one of those things, like we we both have them, where it turns out because you've only read a word or something, you've been mispronouncing it the wrong way your whole yeah. life. And it's I was really excited <laughs> at the prospect of having Thrilled. found another one of those. <laughs> it is a very weird thing for an eight-year-old to be dancing, though, isn't it? The reenacting of being bitten by a tarantula. Very strange. Anyway, yeah. it was all the proof I needed that singing a Christmas song when it's not Christmas is bad luck. Like I knew it for a fact. <laughs> Then, so I'm horrified that my son is singing Jingle Bells, and my immediate thought was, "Well, what terrible thing is going to happen right now? Like, probably a car will veer off the road and collide with us and kill us. Like, that is the most likely scenario." <laughs> I'm not sure how, in terms of bad luck, I went from a three-pound tambourine breaking <laughs> to the tragic loss of two lives, but that is what my brain did. And then it got worse because was he the was dog struggling- not with you? Pardon? 
Was the dog not with no, you? No, the, <laughs> the dog. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sort of interested to know how the dog escaped in that uh, in, in that scenario. <laughs> no, the dog wasn't with us. Right. It got worse because he was started to struggle a bit with the tune and the words and started saying, Mummy, you do it, you do it. Oh, no. And I can't tell him that I won't sing it because it's bad luck, because I would sound insane, even yes. to a three-year-old who yeah. doesn't think it's insane, for example, to demand his teeth are brushed by three different toothbrushes at the same time. <laughs> <sighs> and I don't want to pass on my terrible superstitions. So I tell him that I've forgotten it. And now he now he just thinks I've got a terrible memory. Like he thinks like that I'm yeah, my brain's not working properly. And you're wondering now, well, Annabelle, what was the terrible luck that befell you? Yes. Well, I can tell you what it was. I had my head quite I hit my head quite badly on the underside of the pirate ship at the park while he was making me pretend it was my bedroom. It hurt a lot. And for Rudy he was only allowed one toothbrush in his mouth that night. See, it's real. <laughs> the superstition is real. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. At the risk of being those people who go on about their kids on a podcast, although I think this involves my son, but it's it's not really about him. Um, it's about my wife. You know how these days you will get a lot of, for example, old Disney movies that come with a um, content warning before them mm -hmm. because perhaps some of the things they depict – uh, look, look a little, for example, racist by today's standards. Ah, uh, yes, yes. That they, they don't, you know, they, the, the world has moved on and they feel that this should be acknowledged before you watch it, which I know people have different opinions on that, but I, th I think it's fair enough. You can s still watch it, but it's, it's good to acknowledge that, I think, mm -hmm. before you put something on your platform and make money out of it. Um, Sarah almost has the opposite view in that if something is what she watched in her childhood it's automatically good and things from the modern day are just inherently bad for children's brains okay right interesting yeah she my, my best friend who is a sensible man some years ago asked me if Capital Radio put some kind of signal on top of the music that gets into the minds of kids and teenagers and makes them want to listen to it all the time. <laughs> right? So right. the reason I bring this up is, is people can get very irrational because they don't understand why kids like things okay. and they think it must be damaging. And similarly, Sarah has got it in her head that if something 
is animated by computers, there is a way in which it stimulates a child's brain that is harmful. I see. Okay, yeah. Now, I think there is something in the idea that when when a, a screen is very busy compared to, say, BOD that we grew up on, mm. it's 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 doing it's it's asking more of um, a child in terms of stimulation. But I think that's probably the beginning and, and end of it, and then it's it's possibly although i don't know different when you get into certain types of computer games but she she just has this idea that there is something inherently bad about anything modern for children yeah on that subject she will often try and foist something on gene from a bygone era and it will go poorly because to him it's just boring right and it can be painful. It can be things I love. We we tried him on The Wizard of Oz once and he couldn't, by the time the black and white part was done, he was so bored of the whole thing of watching grown-ups just talking to each other that he wasn't ready for the Yellow Book Road and the Munchkins and the Wicked Witch of the West and all that. And it's a shame. And I think because we were brought up in this era of scarcity where there was you know, either the stuff that was on kids' TV or or nothing, and if you got to watch something else, even if it was a film from years ago, it was just quite exciting because there wasn't very much to watch. Whereas kids now, they they everything's on demand and they can watch their favourite film at any time. So trying to get them hooked on something really old and slow compared to what they're used to is is very difficult, I think. Mm-hmm. But Sarah thinks that slow is inherently good and modern is inherently bad. Fast forward to this weekend. He's become obsessed with giant squids. <laughs> In amongst this obsession, he learns that there is something called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Sarah gets excited and then decides that for family cinema on Saturday afternoon, we're going to make a big bowl of popcorn and then we're all going to watch the film of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Well, I I don't think I've ever seen that, but that's not a kids' film, is it? No, it's also from 1954. 54! Starring Kirk Douglas. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, it didn't go well. So even I'm like, even in my mid-40s, like I would have been too, like, I wasn't even the right age for that, let alone a four-year-old now. You know, it was a lot of men smoking cigars and pipes and things and... talking to each other very very slow until there was a bit with giant squid which the men on the submarine on captain nemo's submarine then attack in such a way that it just really traumatized gene and we had to turn it off and even to get to that bit we had to do a lot of fast forwarding through it just so that he could see the giant squid and then as soon as that came on the screen he was so upset by the whole thing that we had to turn it off and pretty much every day since he's mentioned it to me and I think we've scarred him for life. No. It's not even a realistic giant squid. It's about as realistic as the shark in Jaws. <laughs> but I do think it's funny how you try and foist these things on them. Mm-hmm. He's probably more sure traumatised that-, that you just wouldn't let him watch the Paw Patrol film or something. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um. Another thing I was going to mention is, I don't, this doesn't go anywhere, but I have become increasingly fussy about what bread I will and won't eat. What do you think is going on there? Like nothing is good. Basically, nothing is good enough for me. 
It like, has to be a very high-end loaf of bread from a real artisan bakery. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, I don't like it. it. doesn't taste of anything. That's not great bread. Even stuff from relatively posh shops. I'm not fussed with that. I love bread. I think unless you've got some kind of gluten reaction, I'm deeply suspicious of anybody who says they don't like bread. I think they're lying. But no bread tastes... Do you think it's um, it's somehow a, a metaphor for life losing its flavour? I, I have to say that I have definitely got fussier as I've got older. Like when I think about the kind of bread that I used to eat as a kid, and even like up until recently, but whereas now I like a sourdough. I, I like a, if it's toast, then it can only be sourdough. So I do. I, I can see what to some extent, but I can't explain why. But who do I think I am? <laughs> Like I grew up on the cheapest, most rubbish white sliced bread, and here I am with, well, you know that sourdough's fine, but it's uh, it's it's not the one from this particular bakery. That's this uh, oh, uses wow. this sort of water. Not that I know, but yeah. I'm so I've become so fussy about what bread I will and won't eat. Ah, uh, you know, you've got to have some pleasures in lockdown, like. <laughs> <laughs> not like you're drinking like all these different different like think about what what people get about whiskey like all the different peats yeah yeah that's a little wrong word isn't it you know what i mean yeah yeah okay you made me feel a bit better about myself yeah, bread's your thing enjoy it yeah all right now, now we've resolved that i feel that we can comfortably move on to what mug is this what mug is that what mug you gonna find at mug chat Mug chat. Who is the first one from? Anon. I'm glad we've had our first anon in mug chat. Great. I wonder why. Will we find out in the course of the email why they want to conceal their identity? Yeah. I mean, I initially thought it's after how I brutalised Punkin last week. Like everyone will just want to be anonymous yeah, now. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I think it will become clear. Anon says, Barry was an old friend of the family and visited us on a regular basis. Barry was a very, very nice guy who unfortunately had incredibly poor oral hygiene. He literally had four teeth left and they were in a very poor condition. My mum, being the way she is, had a special mug specifically, sorry Annabelle, for Barry when he visited. It was a typical we got it free from an Easter egg type of mug. My sister, who is incredibly over the top when it comes to hygiene, wouldn't even dream of using this mug in a million years. If someone did attempt to give her a cup of tea in the special mug, she would exclaim, Ooh, Barry Simmons cup, Barry Simmons cup, making it perfectly clear that she wouldn't be drinking from it. Even today, long after Barry's sad passing, she would not even drink from a mug that resembles it. Again, if someone gave her a cup that was similar, the cries of, oh, Barry Simmons cup, Barry Simmons cup would start up. Has that well, come that... up before? I think that's come up before, but people getting paranoid. They've been given, when they visited people's houses, they've been given the worst cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like a mug grudge. <laughs> that is something we... Have, I, I think yes, you, you, you're right about that. But I think a mug grudge like that. Is... Oh, I bet that happens in offices. I bet well when people are working in offices. But I bet there's always one that's a bit too stained or chipped that the one person always gives to the person they hate when they're doing a tea round. That must happen, mustn't it? Annabelle, we, I'm really fascinated. I do think we've opened the portal into the dark side of mug chat, though. But Maybe. I'm really interested. Have you ever? Is is there a mug that you weaponize in some way? Is there a mug <laughs> that you use in a passive aggressive way? That's oh. a great topic. Yeah, yeah. As is mug grudges. 
Yeah. Good. Hopefully very, we'll get some of those for next very week. Very strong, very strong. Uh, next one's from Rural Duchess Anna Brown. Question. Is it okay to use a mug which clearly has the word coffee on it for tea? Absolutely Answer. Not. Absolutely no. not. No, no, no. I no. hope you will agree. Yeah. Yeah. Question, has this heinous crime occurred in my house? Answer, yes. Question, did I say anything about it? Answer, of course not. <laughs> not that I'd use it for a lovely coffee anyway. It's obviously far too small. Yeah, I totally agree. You couldn't, it'd be insane to drink tea out of a cup, cup, cup that's had coffee on it. Insane. Who is the beast that did this? Mm, I'm guessing it's someone within her own home, I'm afraid to say. Mm. I think you need to evaluate that relationship even if it's a child <laughs> especially especially if it's a child, a child. yeah <laughs> oh oh and here here is a work one this is from vicky following on from last week's conversation on family members using your favorite mug how about work colleagues we have a small communal kitchen at work with some plain mugs for general use but if anyone prefers their own they bring it in to any new starters, I explain the system and that I am the elephant, elephant mug, but some of the team, mainly management, just don't get it or just don't care and will repeatedly make the tea round in the morning for me to arrive at work and see my elephant drift around the building, sometimes not to be returned for a few days. I have now resorted to taking the drink, tipping it into a plain mug, handing it back to them and then sterilising the <laughs> elephant for my own use. Why is this so hard? Why don't they get it? It's almost like to some people this stuff isn't important. Yeah, I find that very strange. I do. What is wrong with those people? Mm-mm. They are not savouring their lives in the way that you, you, you need to... The, 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 your choice of mug... And it's important and, and it's it's rolling your life. It's as important as savouring bread and making sure that you only <laughs> eat the finest. <laughs> um, well, hopefully we'll get a flurry of response after uh, those issues this week, please. Mm. Um, we'd love to hear from you for next week. The sails are up and we sing this verse. The stove is lit to break our thirst. Be your ship, yacht, sailor, chunk. It's time to talk of all things mug. Mug chat. Email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle, let's have the first one, please. Okay, it is from Sarah. We run an osteopath clinic from our home and we rent one of our clinic rooms out to another health provider. It works out well for us and the other provider and she is really lovely to work with. But I have one small problem. She is terrible at returning phone calls. She is the consummate drifter, to be honest. She runs her own booking diary, so it's really not our problem. But it does tend to reflect badly on our clinic as people assume that it's us not returning calls. Her patients turn up to the clinic on days that she's not there, trying to book appointments and getting all uppity. They've left lots of messages and that no one has returned their calls. I need to deal with the situation, but being part drifter myself, I am terrified at the thought of having to have any kind of conversation with our colleague about it. Help. Um, Anything about that... confronting someone is very difficult. Yeah, very difficult. yeah, 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 yeah. The way I would always phrase that kind of thing, I don't know if even this is okay, is maybe after the next time there's a mix-up, is a good way to phrase it. 
is there anything I can do to help you um, with the running of your diary? I know that you've got so much on your plate. Is there anything I could do to make that a bit easier for you? The danger is that then all the admins offloaded onto you. That is a danger. But I like the way you're phrasing it. Is that, oh, I'm, I, I want to help you with this. Yeah. Not like, can you change? <laughs> I yes. want to help you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully the, the effect is a bit of shame and then they briefly get better at it until you have to do the same thing a little while later. The thing um, is, I think if someone's bad at this kind of thing, it's just in their DNA. They can't change. Yes, I think that's right. Unless they get a system going. Yeah, but even then, Sarah always says people can change, but not that much. Right, yeah. Um, so I think a sign on the door. I think I think the problem is is that, you, is that Sarah feels like she's being blamed. I don't think she really, like it's not really their problem, she says, because it's nothing to do with them. She could just put a sign on the door <laughs> explaining the situation. <laughs> Like, sorry if you hadn't had your calls returned, nothing to do with us. No, that's not a big stream. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, th- I, th- I thought mine was all right, but you do risk, as Annabelle said, en- ending up with a lot on your plate. But is that the lesser of the two evils? Mm. Mm-hmm. Is the constant, is, is actually the amount of mopping up an embarrassment you have to do, is that, more of a pain than running somebody's schedule for them mm, i've never dealt with that. either of those exactly th- exact things but hopefully by phrasing it that way they, they would then feel embarrassed and get better for a little while try it and then if that doesn't work yeah. um move house yes. okay next one Catherine. Like all good drifters, I don't have a large circle of friends and the small group I do have don't live that closely. So most communication is via WhatsApp and pre-lockdown we would meet up every few months. The WhatsApp conversations might be quite some weeks, quite active others. Birthdays usually provide some additional conversations. I'm not sure when this started, but at some point they changed my date of birth. Now for the record, I hate birthdays. Who wants to celebrate getting old for goodness sakes? But obviously, I get inwardly upset when no one remembers, even though I don't mention it to a soul. But one year, a member of the group chat wished me a happy birthday on the wrong date and the rest followed suit. Since then, that's the day they remember my birthday. Now, being the drifter I think I am, I've obviously never corrected them and just go along with it. My boyfriend thinks I'm far too British and polite for never correcting them. But it's gone on too long now, like at least five years. It's not massively incorrect, just a few days out. And I think I'll get away with it unless I die before them and they see my birthday written on my grave. (laughs) (laughs) Bit extreme, but I think I can take a gamble on getting away with it. What do you think? Is there anything she can do? I even think that if, if that happened... I mean, firstly, you're dead, so what does it matter to you? Yeah. But, but secondly... I don't think that it would affect the grief. No, it shouldn't, it shouldn't it, do. But if it did, then you would ultimately be doing them the favour from beyond the grave of making their pain a little less as it was replaced <laughs> by anger. <laughs> I think that the only time it's ever going to be an issue is if you have a birthday party 
and you get asked the question that anyone who's having a birthday party gets asked, which is... Is it your birthday today? <laughs> yeah, it's your birthday today. Is it your yeah. birthday? Is it yeah. actually your birthday today? Yeah. yeah. And then that's a bit awkward because you'd be telling something different to everyone else. But I think unless you have a party, I think you could probably get away with it until they see your grave. And yes. then you can just maybe get your boyfriend in advance to say, oh, those grave engravers, they did a terrible job. <laughs> there we go, sorted. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, if you have a mug grudge, uh, if you've got weaponized mugs or any other element of mug chat, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, of course, stories of social ineptitude. That is uh, it's our stock in trade here. So if you have those, the email address for all of the above and anything else you want to contact us about is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. Thanks to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey made our artwork. And um, just before I go, I'd like to introduce you to... Ramen? Podication time, um, and we're on a double, it's a double bubble this week. We've got yeah. two. First one comes from Laura Eccles, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. I hope you're both well. Actually, I haven't got any ailments to complain about Amazing. today. I'm just trying to do a scan of my body, and the best I can offer is my right eye feels slightly irritated. But I think I just itched it with a salty finger, perhaps. Okay, well, that's fantastic news. Mm. Um. I'd like to request a birthday podication for my friend and yours, Kim Rainey. Kim Rainey, whose birthday falls on the 9th of March. That's today when we're talking. It'll Mm. be yesterday when the podcast comes out, although maybe this will land on Kim's birthday. Just trying to think. It probably will, because I tend to have it done by about midnight or one, and it'll still be the 9th in America. As I've mentioned on one or more occasions, Kim is the kindest, sweetest person and the most wonderful friend. She bends over backwards to help anyone who needs anything. Also very talented. Um, like all of us... Why are, you la- why are you laughing at that? It's good. It's good. I like it. It's good. She is very talented. I would just no, no, throw that I, I in I thought there. you were like doing a joke about how she could bend over backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The bendy lady. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about how good she is at artwork, actually. Yeah, yeah. She did artwork. And then I was artwork, sort of, yeah. I don't mean to go off topic, then I was feeling bad that we forgot to mention where we're up to with the drift, uh, with uh, Mug Chat Mugs. But oh, yes. It's too late in the podcast we'll come to back get into to that because we'll I think a lot of the mug chat people don't listen to the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll, we'll just come back to it next week. Yeah. Sorry, that's, that's my problem for dropping the ball. And I feel bad now for interrupting Kim's, um, Kim's publication. Like all of us, Kim has had a long last year of ups and downs due to quarantine, all coming after an almost equally yucky pre-quarantine year filled with quite a lot of big stuff to deal with. But this year, her steadfast love of hurricane uncertainty and of old, cool houses 
resulted in her buying her very first home in New Orleans, where she's lived as a renter for 20-something years. You may recall her strongest ever love for Rod Stewart, of course. And um, I'll tell you who you should Google, Kim. This is my birthday gift to you. The owner of a company called Pimlico Plumbers in London. Oh, what does he look like, Rod Stewart? I think in his head he does. Oh, <laughs> Do you not feel like every now and again you'll see somebody about and then think, is that Rod Stewart? And the only explanation is it's somebody who's really modelled themselves on Rod Stewart. <laughs> because nobody just looks like that without making the choice to uh, to model themselves on Rod Stewart, I don't think, anyway. I, I thought I'd get a laugh out of you because he's somebody who crops up on the news with some frequency. I want to Google him now. I think he had strong opinions on Brexit one way or the other. And has also, like, over the years, had stronger political opinions and been a donor to maybe the Conservatives or something. But you just look at him and you think, oh, you just wish you were oh. Stuart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. <laughs> yeah, it's the hair. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, Charlie Mullins. Yeah, but it's the it's the whole look. Yeah. You, you, I think it's impossible to look like that and be unaware of... Um, how similar to Rod Stewart is. Right. He's somebody who's looked at Rod Stewart, even in his advancing years, and thought, that's the look for me. Right, yeah, yeah. At some point, he took a picture of Rod Stewart to the hairdresser. Sure. And, yeah, and then the hairdresser's been giving him the same thing ever since. <laughs> um, and we'll find it no surprise that the first item placed in her new home was her framed Rod Stewart poster. <laughs> Rod is to Kim... As John Travolta is to Annabelle. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You've still got all your paraphernalia, haven't you? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kim is a long is long overdue for some really good luck and so much happiness, as so as both a birthday and a housewarming gift. I'd like to tiptoe out of my drifter box and ask you two to put right a tragic imbalance in the world of the wonderful Kim Rainey. Because mm. Kim was never titled i just i can't believe it that i would make some kind of administered error with someone so important and integral to our podcast would i do mm. that would i i have to say i did check earlier my list couldn't find and her you name. did couldn't yeah, find so, her name okay so i mean kim should just have a have a title uh you know she's in terms of the, the British honour system, she's more like a companion of honour or something like that. But well, that's a good one. I write that down. Companion of honour? Yeah, there you go. Okay. That's your new title. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Companion You're of honour. You're happy with that? Yeah. Right. There's I'll no... make a note of it now. Isn't there, like, in the royal household, there's the keeper of the Queen's paintings? Although that that's not one? quite... Yeah, that's, maybe that's not quite the same thing because Kim herself is an artist rather mm. than a... Um, right, but, maybe yeah, I'll think about it a bit more, and then I like companion of honor, though. I yeah, think I will definitely um, make a note of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Kim mentioned it to me she became title eligible right after Andy had baby. Uh, Andy, sorry, your name is Annabelle, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Annabelle had baby Rudy. She would never dream of sending uh, uh, a kind ping your way to ask after her title. Too so polite. I'm secretly asking on her behalf, behalf now. I hope that the bestowance. Is that a word? It can be. Of this yeah. title is uh, the good luck charm stroke bad luck amulet that will bring her on her happiest year yet. No one deserves a title more than this lovely human. Thanks. I'm wishing you both the very best. Lady of Treasure, Laura Eccles. P.S. Below is a photo of Kim at the Cavern Club in Liddypool posing not with Beatles memorabilia. Oh, no, but instead with... <laughs> Rod. <laughs> 
Love PPS. That. Annabelle, I moved to Austin, Texas last April and recently started volunteering at an amazing pig sanctuary. Oh, yeah, I've seen these pictures. Yeah. Centralpigtexaspigs.org. Most, maybe all of the humans who volunteer there are drifters at heart since you love oh. pigs. I thought I would send you a few photos of some of our cute residents. Oink. They're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Yes. Uh, companion of honour, Kim Rainey. What, uh, you know, a, a, a legend of drifting, no less. Yes. Yeah. So um, we send you all our love and happy birthday, Kim. And also, here's, uh, here's, here's a name, um, jo- Jojo. Comrade ah, Jojo is the title, uh, which again, very, very apt one there. Hello, Annabelle and Jeff. Hello. Just a quickie. Hello. Sorry, I just saw the next sentence. Just a quickie and no real effort from me to try and make Jeff well up and get all teary. <laughs> it's my fellow Martin Heinze Heinze's 50th birthday on Wednesday, the 10th of March. So I would be ever so pleased if you could podicate the show nearest to his big date. You see, I don't... I'm, 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 I was braced for this, this next sentence as soon as I saw JoJo's name. He doesn't download the podcast himself. Oh, okay. That's all right. But, he, but okay. does enjoy listening to you when I listen to you. Uh, does enjoy listening to you when I listen to your podcast whilst playing Ready, Steady, Cook with assorted dried goods from the back of our grocery cupboard and integrate them into dishes featuring the weekly veg box. Does he, though? Does he enjoy it? Does he? Is it just on? Mm. Like, Sarah will have stuff on sometimes, and I don't say turn that off. (laughs) I mean, I enjoy listening to it. Um, A lockdown 50th birthday is not exactly ideal, especially when things are opening up around the corner, but we will make the best of it with a takeaway and a state mandatory walk around the neighbourhood. In fact, as a drifter, that sounds perfect decade birthday celebration peace and love peace and love peace and love to you both comrade jojo of ipswich well martin if the 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 whole podcast listening issue does stir up some stuff with me but i ultimately feel very warmly towards martin of course and jojo i wish i didn't know these uncomfortable truths about him but (laughs) I'm going to set that aside. I hope pretty soon you are out. I remember them telling us about an excellent vegan Indian mm. near them. I hope you're back there for a belated 50th celebration or an additional one. I think you can sell it. It's, it's, it's your year of celebrating when you get a zero on the end. I just made that right? Don't I just made that rule up now. I'm, I'm like sure it. it's not right. But, um, but I hope... I hope you have a, 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 as grand a one as you can under the circumstances. And by the sounds of it, it sounds pretty good to me. So Martin Hines, happy 50th from Jojo. Great to see that zero on the mileometer. And Kim Rainey, uh, the compa- companion of honour from Laura. If you'd like a publication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Lovely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 